Greetings, dear listeners, and welcome to Reformed Meditations, a podcast dedicated to filling our minds with the Word of God rather than emptying them. I'm Lee, I'm your host, and I just want to thank you for listening. I know we've had a a long transition here uh, from the end of Guys with Bibles into this new show, Uh, and I just want to thank you for listening and for hanging in there with me as we kind of get some things going in a a little different direction, but not too different than what we were doing before. Um, Speaking of not that different, uh, today we have a theophany episode. I wanted to continue doing some of the theophany studies that that had been going on under Guys with Bibles, and today we have have an interesting one. We have a good one, as if they're not all good. (laughs) They are, but uh, this one I think is interesting and a little bit confounding. Uh, This is Balaam, the story of Balaam and his donkey and the angel on the road. Uh, That's from Numbers chapter 22, verses 22 through 35. So I'm going to turn there now and read it, and then we'll discuss it a little bit. We'll look at the text and see what we can draw out of it and uh, enjoy the word together. Numbers 22, verses 22 through 35. I'm actually, I'm, I'm going to start earlier than that, though, so we get an understanding of sort of the background here. Um, so Balak is the king of Moab, and he is approaching a well-known diviner, uh, fortune teller, seer, whatever word you want to use to describe Balaam. Uh, he's a, a practitioner of of uh, dark arts, I guess I would say. Uh, so here's some background uh, to the, the text we're going to look at today. Moab uh, has a king named Balak, and of course Moab is an enemy of, of Israel. And so Balak gets an idea that he's going to commission Balaam, who's a well-known diviner, I guess is one way to describe him. Uh, I'll call him a diviner. And he wants to pay him to set a curse on Israel. Balaam has no problem with that uh, because he'll read omens for anybody willing to pay the right price. So he's sort of a, like a prophet for hire, so to speak. Um, So Balak uh, sends some messengers and they promise to give silver and gold to Balaam uh, if he will do this thing that Balak wants him to do. So early in chapter 22, uh, Balaam uh, says, he says to the to the messengers in verse 8, spend the night here. I will bring word back to you as the Lord may speak to me. And so uh, God says to him, this is in the next verse, who are these men with you? Balaam said to God, Balak, the son of Zippor, king of Moab, has sent word to me. Behold, there is a people who came out of Egypt and they cover the surface of the land. Now come, curse them for me. Perhaps I may be able to fight against them and drive them out. God said to Balaam, do not go with them. You shall not be a curse. You shall not curse the people, for they are blessed. Balaam gets the men up in the morning and says, hey, the Lord, the God of the Israelites says, uh, I'm not, I can't curse them. You might as well go home. Uh, I can't go against what the Lord says. And they said, um, so they, so they got up. And they left, and they went back to the king, King Balak, and said, Balaam refused to come with us. So then he sent more people, he sent leaders, and they came to Balaam and said the same thing. Uh, 
let nothing, I beg you, hinder you from coming to me, which was the message that they gave to Balaam, and more promise of riches. And so Balaam said, um, though Balak were to give me his house full of silver and gold, I could not do anything, either small or great, contrary to the commandment of the Lord my God. Now that doesn't mean that Balaam believed God. Uh, he was, I think he was willing to uh, listen to uh, any sort of spirit uh, that he might get in touch with. Um, but in this case, he was bound because the Lord told him, you're not going to go with them. You can't curse Israel that the deal was done. But the deal was not done because Balaam was very much enticed by the riches. And so uh, God tells him uh, at night, if the men have come to call you, rise up and go with them. But only the word which I speak to you, you shall do. That's verse 20. So Balaam got up and he got on his donkey and he went with those leaders and he was going to travel to Moab. And that's how we get to our text here. So already we've seen that um, Balaam is obstinate, even though uh, God, in God's sovereignty, he won't allow Balaam to curse Israel. Still, God tells him, don't go with them, but he keeps asking. And God, in his wisdom, does allow him to go with them. And we'll see, well, we won't see in this episode, but in the fullness of the story, God is glorified in the trip that Balaam takes, but Balaam is a persistent sinner, and God is turning his obstinance into an opportunity for uh, the blessing of God to be heard by some of uh, Israel's mortal enemies. All right, I'm going to read the passage now. Now that we've officially set it up, Numbers 22, verses 22 through 35. But God was angry because he was going, and the angel of the Lord took his stand in the way as an adversary against him. Now he was riding on his donkey, and his two servants were with him. When the donkey saw the angel of the Lord standing in the way with his drawn sword in his hand, the donkey turned off from the way and went into the field. But Balaam struck the donkey to turn her back into the way. Then the angel of the Lord stood in a narrow path of the vineyards, with a wall on this side and a wall on that side. When the donkey saw the angel of the Lord... She pressed herself to the wall and pressed Balaam's foot against the wall, so he struck her again. The angel of the Lord went further and stood in a narrow place where there was no way to turn to the left, to the right hand, or to the left. Then the donkey saw the angel of the Lord. She lay down under Balaam. So Balaam was angry and struck the donkey with his stick. Then the Lord opened the mouth of the donkey, and she said to Balaam, What have I done to you, that you have struck me these three times? Then Balaam said to the donkey, Because you have made a mockery of me. If, if there had been a sword in my hand, I would have killed you by now. The donkey said to Balaam, Am I not your donkey, on which you have ridden all your life to this day? Have I ever been accustomed to do so to you? And he said, No. Then the Lord opened the eyes of Balaam, and he saw the angel of the Lord standing in the way with his drawn sword in his hand, and he bowed all the way to the ground. The angel of the Lord said to him, Why have you struck your donkey these three times? Behold, I have come out as an adversary, because your way was contrary to me. But the donkey saw me and turned aside from me these three times. If she had not turned aside from me, I would surely have killed you by now. I surely would have killed you just now and let her live. 
Balaam said to the angel of the Lord, I have sinned, for I did not know that you were standing in the way against me. Now then, if it is displeasing to you, I will turn back. But the angel of the Lord said to Balaam, Go with the men, but you shall speak only the word which I tell you. So Balaam went along with the leaders of Balak. So God allowed Balaam to go on this journey, but he didn't make it easy on Balaam. Balaam was going uh, in in his own sinful, uh, obstinate way. Uh, he was going to get, he was going to take the money, and he was going to do whatever it was he was allowed to do. So even though he realized that God would not allow him to curse Israel, he was still going to go along, take the payment, and do whatever needed to be done. Uh, and the uh, the angel of the Lord uh, stands in the way of that. Literally stands in the way. First of all, I think it's hilarious and interesting that Balaam, who was known to be um, a seer, you know, one who um, you pay to see things that you can't see on your own, you know, to uh, to consult the spirits, uh, so to speak, is the is the person that can't see the angel of the Lord right in front of him. Even his donkey can see the angel and adjusts uh, her path. Uh, to to get away from the angel out of fear, but Mister uh, Mister Professional Seer can't even see the angel of the Lord right in front of him as he's riding towards him, uh, which is is hilarious. Uh, the pride of this whole thing is is really astounding to me, um, and he's getting literally boxed in um, by this by this theophany. Uh, it says that uh, as they go along, they end up getting into a tighter and tighter place. There's a wall in verse 24. There's a wall on each side of the donkey, and the donkey presses herself against the wall, trying to turn away, and of course can't. And then there's even a place, if as if that's not narrow enough, in verse 26, they enter then a narrow place, and there was nowhere to turn to the right or to the left. And then that's when the donkey just lays down, <laughs> which is the appropriate response. Um, because again, we hear we have a Christophany here. And the reason I say that we have a Christophany is because of one verse, uh, which is um, verse 32, where the angel of the Lord says to Balaam, Why have you struck your donkey these three times? Behold, I have come out as an adversary because your way was contrary to me. It had already been established earlier in the chapter that Balaam was disobeying God. Uh, his plans for what he was going to do concerning Balak were contrary to what God intended. Balaam wanted to take money to give a curse on Israel. God was uh, not going to let him make pronounce a curse on Israel. In fact, he was going, he told him he was going to bless Israel. So this angel says, um, your way is contrary to me, which to me says, this is no mere angel. This is no messenger angel. This is uh, a theophany. This is a Christophany. Uh, the pre-incarnate Christ is appearing uh, before Balaam. Um, the fact that he has the uh, sword in his hand as well is another sign of that. That's, uh, that's a... Um, a common theme uh, in some other Christophanies as well is the the one who holds the sword 
uh, we saw that with the uh, commander of of the Lord's army uh, uh, in the in the story with Joshua. Okay, so we have a Christophany here. Um, he's hemmed in Balaam on his way. The donkey has laid down, and the the mouth of the donkey is opened, which is a an accompanying miracle, I would say, <laughs> because the uh, the the mouth, lips, and tongue of of an animal aren't prime for human speech. <laughs> it just it wouldn't work. Uh, so there's there's certainly some supernatural intervention going on here. And the donkey says, "What have I done to you that you've struck me these three times?" She's just doing what is natural to a donkey. See something scary? They lay down. Uh, certainly, uh, I'm sure the the uh, appearance before Balaam certainly was was very frightening. The donkey laid down, and when his eyes were finally opened to see this Christophany, he also hit the ground. So, um, obviously a, a scary image. But Balaam continues to be angry. He has a very hard heart. He says, you've made me a mockery. Uh, if there had been a sword in my hand, I would have killed you by now. Because the, the, the donkey's standing in the way of his money. The the New Testament even uses the example of Balaam for people that uh, use um, the religion of Yahweh for their own personal gain uh, in in a couple different places. Uh, so Balaam is synonymous with greed in using the things of God to enrich yourself. So he's very upset that this donkey's standing in the way between him and his payout. Um. And so he would have rather killed his donkey and walked the rest of the way, presumably, uh, than to have actually dealt with the situation. So finally, the Lord opens the eyes of Balaam after he had already opened the mouth of the donkey, and the donkey gave him some sass. Am I not your donkey on which you've ridden all your life to this day? Uh, that, uh, that would be very hard to hear from, <laughs> from your own animal. Uh, have I ever done this to you before? And Balaam has to say no. Something very special and out of the ordinary is happening here. So then Balaam gets to see the angel of the Lord, and he hears the same question. Why have you struck your donkey these three times? Behold, I've come out as an adversary, which is frightening to think of, uh, God being your adversary. I, that's frightening, very frightening, uh, because your way was contrary to me. But the donkey saw me, and turned aside from me these three times. If she had not turned aside from me, I would surely have killed you just now and let her live. So Balaam was prepared to kill his own donkey for getting in his way, and lo and behold, he was not even aware that uh, his own neck was on the line, and he would have been, he could have been slain by God Almighty. Um, very precarious. But is that not the state? Of every sinner, that is the just punishment for for every person outside of Christ. Um, our lives are um, condemned. Uh, we are condemned already. We're sinners by nature. We're children of wrath. All of mankind, we're all children of wrath and deserving of uh, a life uh, separated from God uh, to not receive any of his, even his common blessings. Uh, we deserve to be uh, punished for our hatred of God for eternity. But instead, God 
relents. And through Christ, our sins are not only forgiven, are wiped away, but his righteousness is given to us too. So we can not only live uh, with our sins not counting against us, but we can actually live in righteousness uh, because of his grace, not because of anything we've done. There's no bargain to be made like Balaam was willing to do. There's no person that we could pay silver and gold to to get this, this gift of forgiveness and righteousness. It's all by God's grace to undeserving people. So Balaam said, and he admits, I have sinned. I did not know that you were standing in the way against me. He was blind to God. He had no idea. Uh, he was seeing only his own ends, what he wanted to accomplish, and he was willing to do anything to make that happen. So yes, he had sinned. But I'm going to contend here that even though he says, I have sinned, he has not repented. And here's why. Here's why I say that. It's in that same verse. I've sinned, the verse 34, I've sinned, for I did not know that you were standing in the way against me. Now then, if it is displeasing to you, I will turn back. He offers a conditional here when he knows full well that his trip displeases God. He was told at the beginning, don't go with these men. You can't curse Israel. I will not allow you to. You can only pronounce a blessing on them. Don't go with them. So even though God allows him to go, God is allowing Balaam to use his sinful uh, obstinance eventually to God's glory. And th this, uh, this situation here, this theophany, uh, can almost sort of be considered um, almost like Paul's road to Damascus moment, except that Paul became a believer and Balaam merely just got the wind knocked out of his sails. He got scared. Uh, I don't, obviously, he didn't believe in God. He was not a repentant believer. I mean, he did not uh, partake in the worship of, of Yahweh uh, according to Israel's ways, according to the law. But uh, he at least admitted that he had disobeyed the direct commandment of God. But he didn't repent because he says, if it's displeasing to you, I'll turn back. He already knew it was displeasing to God. God had already told him once, but he was set on going and God allowed him to go. So he already knew his journey, the end to which he was journeying, his payout to curse Israel, he knew that displeased God. But he said, I'll, I'll turn back if it's displeasing to you. But of course, God allows him, in even with his sinful inclination, to go on and eventually to glorify God publicly on multiple occasions. That does please God. And this is what's so uh, fascinating about the way that God works. God allows sin to go on and will be glorified despite the sinful intentions of people. It's like the, uh, the, the story of Joseph and where he says at the end of Genesis, you know, what you intended for evil, God meant for good. Sure, uh, God is sovereign. He could have stopped the, uh, the sale of Joseph into slavery and prevented him from going to Egypt. He could have gone home that day. Um, but in God's, in God's plan, that horrible 
thing that was done to Joseph ended up being not only to God's glory, but actually to the benefit of the entire people of Israel. Um, Joseph rising to power in Egypt, uh, his influence there when it came to the famine, his presence there was to God's glory and to the benefit of his people. But God used the sinful intentions and the sinful actions of Joseph, Joseph's brothers to bring that about. So I'd say the same thing happens here. After all, God's nature doesn't change. His ways don't change. He's sovereign over all things, including the actions and intentions of sinners. So he's using the sin of Balaam to glorify his name in the end. And this is just one part of confronting Balaam in his sin and reminding him that God is sovereign over all things. God is sovereign over him, and God is sovereign over Balaam, I mean, and over Balaam's words, Balaam's actions, and where he goes. Yes, he may intend to disobey God, and he did disobey God. Uh, he did what he he did not intend to honor God in what he was doing, but he still went on his way. He was allowed to go on his way, and did glorify God, like I said, publicly on multiple occasions, uh, especially in the next couple chapters in Numbers. So the angel says, go with the men, but you shall speak only the word which I tell you, which is what God told Balaam earlier in the chapter uh, in, verse, in verse 20, where God came to Balaam at night and said to him, if the men have come to call you, rise up and go with them, but only the word which I speak to you, you shall do. And so the angel of the Lord, of course, being Christ, is going to repeat those same words to him on the road. Go with the men, but you shall speak only the word which I tell you. And so Balaam went along with the leaders of Balak. And then you'd see as you read through the next couple chapters how the story of Balaam goes. So here's some things that go through my mind thinking about this text. One is that faith is a gift. It's not just something that you have that you work up. Um, faith is a gift from God. It's it's His grace that allows us to to believe in Him. And it it reminds me of the story of the rich man and Lazarus from Luke 16, where Lazarus is the poor man. The rich man uh, does does wrong to him the day comes when they're both dead and the the rich man looks out from Hades and sees Lazarus in the bosom of Abraham and he begs you know for for uh, some water to cool his tongue he can't get it uh, there's a chasm between the two and you can't go from one end to the other from either side then he asks for Lazarus to go to the rich man's five brothers and tell them what's going on and uh it said in Luke 16, uh, 29, that uh, Abraham tells him, they have Moses and the prophets, let them hear them. But he said, no, Father Abraham, if someone goes to them from the dead, they will repent. But he said to him, if they do not listen to Moses and the prophets, they will not be persuaded, even if someone rises from the dead. So Balaam here has this, this uh, wonderful um, and scary experience of seeing the pre-incarnate Christ stop him on the road uh, to go to meet Balak, the king of Moab. And 
it means nothing. I mean, he acknowledges that he's a sinner, but we all know that acknowledging our sin does not equal repentance. And as I said before, he asks, well, if this is displeasing in your sight, then I will turn back. So he doesn't care for God's glory. He doesn't really respect the words of God. Uh, He would have attempted to curse Israel if God had not disallowed him from saying it. God was only going to allow him to bless Israel and not curse it. He didn't believe in God. Uh, He was uh, greedy and a a practitioner of uh, forbidden arts uh, from in the law. You know, the the reading of omens is expressly forbidden uh, in the the law. Um, Any any dealings with necromancers or any sort of uh, occult spiritual um, practices were completely anathema. Uh, and are completely anathema to God. So he made his living dishonoring God. He he made no he had no care toward God. And so even an appearance of God before him did not bring him to his knees in repentance. That has to be granted by God. Um, it's got a, it's a gift only given by God's grace. And so just like the rich man begging, oh, if only uh, Lazarus would go back to them from the dead my five brothers will repent of their own sins and believe. That's not the case. You know, we have the scriptures. Uh, We have, we're fortunate to have the complete canon of scripture, uh, the Old Testament and the New Testament. We have the, the firm and authoritative word of God about who God is and his grace and what he's done for us and the things that he's called us to do after uh, we've been saved, after our sins have been forgiven and the righteousness of Christ imputed to us, that's all in the word. And God is the one who changes the heart, not us, not anything that we want, no amount of, uh, of simony, uh, which is a term that comes from uh, Simon the sorcerer, which is a, a passage in Acts where a guy sees the, the, the power that the apostles have and he wants to just you know, buy the rights to it. <laughs> He's like, how much money does it take for me to get this Holy Spirit you're talking about? Here, t- take my money. And Peter gives him a, a firm rebuke. It's not something you can buy. It's not something you can work up to, uh, to try to be good enough to get the grace of God. You can't work up your own your own uh, ability to believe, to have faith. It, it comes from God. And we have to remember that and, and to thank God for that. Because none of us deserve uh, the ability to believe in God. We don't deserve uh, to witness and savor the glory of God. It's a a gift, a tremendous gift given to us. Um, And it's a duty, but a pleasure to to worship God, to read His Word, uh, to behold His glory, and to thank Him and continue to repent of our sins before Him and to glorify his name in all of that. And then, of course, we have to see that God is a merciful God, because even though the angel could have struck Balaam down, uh, and Balaam would have deserved it to, to have been struck down in his sin, yet it was in God's good pleasure for him to continue living and breathing, even though spiritually dead in that moment, because he was about to be mightily used by God for his glory. He was going to be given 
messages of blessing uh, regarding Israel that was going to be heard by um, pagans all around him. So God is merciful, and we should remember that even though we all deserve to die that death that Christ died, um, Christ has died for sinners. Not only died, he rose for our justification. And again, it's an act of God's grace. It's, it's his gracious intent that brings that about. Nothing we've done, nothing that we can do, and nothing that we owe God could ever repay that gift that he's given. And we all deserve to die the death that Balaam should have died. And he still remained a sinner. But he would face his time. He would die eventually, as, as it's appointed for every man and woman to have a time to die. Um, and he would face judgment in his own, in his own time. Um, but he could have died here, and by God's grace, he didn't. And then we have to remember that uh, we, should, we should repent. We should be a repenting people. We shouldn't presume on God's grace. You know, because God has given us the tremendous gift of the forgiveness of our sins and the righteousness of Christ and the hope of uh, glorification um, to come, that, that the good work that he began in us, he will continue. That doesn't give us license to go live how we, how we choose. Uh, we can't act like Balaam, well, you know, because I can talk to God, uh, because he heard from God, Maybe he thought he was all right, um, but he wasn't. Uh, he was roundly condemned in the scriptures. Um, and so it, it gives me pause. You know, I should never presume to be so close to God that I can do what I want. Um, I am still a sinful man. You know, as, as uh, Martin Luther said, at the same time, just and sinner. So I have to continue to repent. I have to remember that, left to my own devices, I could be very much like Balaam, or perhaps worse. But God's grace has been given to me, and he has begun a good work in me through Christ, uh, and he will bring it to completion. But there is good work to do. There's a life of sanctification to live uh, and obedience to God uh, and all glory given to his name for what he's done and what he is doing. So it's, it's a, uh, this theophany story is very sobering, I think. Uh, it's a, uh, it's challenging. Uh, it's a, it's a difficult one, but, uh, plain to see that God is gracious and we live in a time of tremendous grace and, uh, the witness of the gospel is out there, the truth of the gospel can be plainly heard, and uh, I think it should be the fervent prayer of all of us that uh, that we live in a way that magnifies God in obedience to God, not contrary to, <laughs> to obedience to God. Uh, heaven forbid that uh, anyone calling on the name of Christ would actually be like Balaam, mightily used by God, but at the same time disobedient radically disobedient to God, I, I, would, I would pray to be, to be spared from that, that, that scenario. So anyway, I, uh, I hope this uh, episode's been helpful, hopefully encouraging, maybe a little bit challenging, uh, but I'd love to get your feedback uh, on this episode, ideas for other episodes, maybe some points of disagreement or pushback. I love all of it. 
you should uh, find me on Twitter at Ref Meditations, R-E-F Meditations. You can also email me directly at reformedmeditations at gmail.com. And of course, you can subscribe to the podcast on the podcatcher of your choice, Reformed Meditations, which is a podcast on the Bar Network. So you should also check out the show notes for the link to the entire Bar Network family, uh, an ever-growing network of Christ-centered, gospel-focused podcasts, and uh, it's a real pleasure to be part of this network, Um, such a great community uh, that seems to be growing all the time. So uh, you would do well to subscribe to all of the podcasts that are on the network. Uh, I would really recommend all of them to you. Um, So thank you for listening, and uh, I hope that this has been helpful, um, encouraging, and maybe challenging to you, and uh, can't wait to uh, discuss another theophany next time. So the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Peace.